Hello and welcome to LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. I'm your host, Rebecca, and today AADNS Curriculum Development Specialist, Alexis Rome, will talk about how nurse leaders can manage conflict more effectively to pursue the win-win for everyone. Welcome, Alexis. Thank you, Rebecca, and hello to everyone joining us today. Glad to have you, Alexis. Let's jump into the topic of today's podcast, conflict. Conflict is a part of every workplace, but why does it really matter? Shouldn't we try to avoid it? You're right, Rebecca. Conflict in the workplace is a part of our lives. If we handle it well, it gives us the chance to develop deeper, more meaningful relationships with our coworkers. Or at the very least, we can solve problems producing outcomes that are even better than what we might have originally intended. But if we avoid conflict or handle it badly, we can cause a lot of damage to relationships and it gets in the way of how employees perform and hurts the organization as a whole. I had the opportunity to work with a VP of clinical services for a hospital system. She was the model of what I aspire to be as a nurse executive. And she told me she embraced conflict and viewed it as a gift. Wait, she embraced conflict as a gift? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised too. But think of it this way. If your staff trust you enough to bring you problems and are comfortable enough to challenge your assumptions about things or even to disagree with you, then you as the nurse leader now have the opportunity to learn something new and work with your staff to make things better. I know what some of you are thinking. I don't want the drama. I get it, me either. Drama to me is a never ending string of self-inflicted problems that the person doesn't want resolved. And that is not what we're talking about today. As nurse leaders, we want to avoid labeling everything as drama because not everything is drama. Often people are struggling to work with each other or even work with their manager. And it may seem like drama, but this is your opportunity to engage and facilitate conflict resolution. It's an opportunity to not only find solutions, but strengthen relationships between the staff, and that is key in the healthcare environment. It sounds like you're saying we might need to shift our perspective of conflict as being a problem and instead look at it as an opportunity. Yes, that's exactly right. I also think that's really the first big step to take when you want to improve how you engage in conflict. It doesn't mean those involved can't still be emotional, but you go into it wanting to generate solutions or a better outcome, not just to put out a fire, uh, to have the final say and be right, or to totally avoid the conflict altogether. In order to facilitate conflict resolution between staff, The same applies. We need to start with our own perspective about conflict. Once we shift our mindset, is there anything else we should be aware of? We also need to be aware of how we typically engage in conflict or what our style is. Back in the 70s, two management theorists named Kilman and Thompson used the work of a guy named Deutsch in their research and identified five conflict strategies. I'll describe them and you can see which one you most identify with. You can also observe your staff and see which style they tend to be, and that gives you some insight into how you might approach them in a conflict. 
The first is avoidance. You avoid or hide from the conflict. Competition is the second. You try to get what you want, but it's at the expense of the other person. The third is compromise. This is when you give up something, but the other person does too. Accommodation is the fourth. You give up something to the other person. Collaboration is the fifth. You're willing to work with the other person and come to a win-win. We all may use different approaches, but the one strategy we want to strive for and be intentional about using is collaboration. We usually talk about how to compromise. What's the benefit of collaboration instead of compromise? That's a great question, Rebecca. Compromise is basically when both parties are trying to figure out what we can lose or give up. And it sounds something like this. I'll give up this if you give up that. But collaboration is about both of us winning. We're not trying to figure out what both of us will give up or lose. We're talking about what we can both gain from resolving this conflict. And that's where the win-win phrase comes in? Exactly. A moment ago, I mentioned a man named Deutsch. He's known as the father of modern conflict resolution. As a sidebar, I think it's important to know that this information we're talking about today is based on research and evidence. Deutsch's work and that of others we're talking about today has been applied to negotiations between world leaders down to personal relationships. The win-win works and is doable for all of us. Thank you, Alexis. I'm excited to talk more about how we can create that win-win in the workplace. But first, listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. Onboarding a new MDS coordinator or a new DON, let ANAC and AADNS help. We offer comprehensive online training programs developed specifically for the new MDS coordinator or the new DON. Learn more about ANAC MDS Essentials at anac.org backslash education and more about AADNS DNS Fundamentals at aadns-ltc.org backslash education. Welcome back. Let's continue our chat with Alexis Rome as we learn more about the win-win for conflict resolution in the workplace. So Alexis, what do we do next? How can we create that win-win? I want to clarify that the win-win isn't about one person winning the argument or the conflict. It's about a win-win being produced from the conflict. With that said, we've got to understand first and foremost what we want. Do we want to win no matter what? Do we want to prove a point no matter the cost? Or do we go into this with respect for the other party and with the motivation to achieve the win-win? If you're facilitating a conflict, you'll have to listen for what they want and block out the noise of denials and blame. You may even have to have private conversations getting to the heart of what they really want. One of my favorite books, Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High by Carrie Patterson, gives some advice on this topic. The book says you should ask, what do I really want for myself? What do I really want for others? And what do I really want for this relationship? Be brutally honest with yourself about answering those questions and then follow it with being very self-aware of how you would act on that intention with your behavior. So you would consider, if I really want XYZ, then how do I behave? 
Alexis, why is it important to think about how you will behave? It's important because when you enter into a conflict, research tells us that the success of the conflict is based on people feeling safe to engage in the conflict in the first place. If people feel threatened, they usually either disengage and say things like whatever and get really quiet, or they spend all of their energy defending themselves and they can't hear or do anything else but that. So if you can show you genuinely care about them, even if it's just a general concern from human being to human being, then you can encourage a higher chance of a win-win. If you're facilitating a conflict, you might need to point out and remind others that they should have concern for others as teammates. For example, you might say, I know you want to care about each other, so you are able to do a good job to help the residents. Empathy goes a long way too. Even just starting out by apologizing that they are frustrated can help. It could sound something like, I'm sorry you've had a rough shift. However, if you behave in a way that shows you have no concern for them as a person, then the conflict likely won't go well at all. It sounds like it might be important to pause if you're feeling really emotional at the time of the conflict. So you can make sure your behavior and words create a feeling of safety for all people involved. Is that right, Alexis? Definitely. It's okay to take a step back and take time to calm yourself down and get some perspective on the situation. The same applies when you're facilitating a conflict situation and the parties need some time to take a breath. Speaking of perspective, Crucial Conversations gives a really great direction about taking the responses from those three questions I mentioned a moment ago to give you an entrance into how to frame the conflict. They use what they call the elusive and. You start by saying or writing down what you really want and then you clarify what you really don't want. You combine the two and this will help you take a step back from the idea that there's only one right solution. You can also help people work through the elusive and before you bring the parties together. The thought that there's only one right solution takes us down the path of compromising, accommodating, competing, or avoiding instead of seeking the win-win. Can you give us an example? Sure. Let's say I'm the DNS. Starting with what I really do want is, I want the social worker to be more reliable and dependable. I'm tired of taking on her work when I've got things of my own to do. I feel let down and frustrated. I want to have a good working relationship with her. Now comes the don't part. I don't want to argue with her and waste time that should be dedicated to actually working. I also don't want to have any more of a strain on our professional relationship. Now you combine the two and it would sound something like this. How can I have a candid conversation with a social worker about her being more reliable and avoid wasting our time and making our relationship more uncomfortable? This is so important because it helps our brains think of possibilities we may have never before been open to. Before using this, I may have been so focused on finding a way to avoid any more work from the social worker that my brain wouldn't allow me to be open to alternative ideas that would result in a win-win. Your staff who are in a conflict have these same roadblocks to being open to a win-win. By helping them work through the elusive and, 
they can also begin to think and be open to actually coming up with a solution rather than just being mad, gossiping, and maybe even quitting. That's a very helpful way to get our brains looking at more options. Thanks, Alexis. So what's next? Now that you're in the right mindset to engage in the conflict, you can start by being very aware of your body language. Avoid an overbearing posture, for example, and watch the other person to see if they start to either disengage or become defensive. If they do, step back and be empathetic with their situation. By paying attention to their actions, you can know when to adjust your approach. Body language is so important. Thank you, Alexis. Now, how do we start the conversation? You can start by introducing what you see as the common goal. I'll use the example of the DNS and the social worker again, and it could sound something like this. I know we both want to do the best work we can because it helps our team take care of our residents. You can also try a don't and do statement such as, I don't want our working relationship to be under more stress. I do want each of us to complete our own work assignments. This starts your dialogue as you work toward the win-win of the conflict. Notice that blame isn't issued. I'm not accusing her of anything or making any assumptions. I'm not challenging her or being degrading either. That sounds like a great start on the road to the best possible solution. Do you have any final tips for our listeners as they continue the conversation? Yes. As you work through the conflict, it's important to be aware of a few things. Just because you think you're being clear doesn't mean that the person is comprehending what you intend for them to understand. Just think of all the times you've said something and the other person had a very different understanding. I'll give you a really silly example. I asked my husband to pick up a bottle of wrinkle releaser when he went grocery shopping. He said, okay, but what kind? Because I have no idea which jar of wrinkle releaser you want. Wait, now I'm confused because I didn't say jar and the wrinkle releaser is in this huge blue spray bottle in the laundry room. I said, I need another of the big spray bottles that's above the dryer, honey. He says back to me, oh, I thought you wanted wrinkle releaser for your face. I, I know it's sad and hilarious all at the same time, but it just goes to show you how something that I thought was so obvious, so simple, was totally confusing to him. Don't assume people understand you in the way you intended just because you've said words. Make sure they understand the words and the meaning you've given to them. You can restate your understanding and you can do the same thing when facilitating a conflict. The next tip is to be very careful about assumptions because we are usually pretty lousy about it. There is a thing called the fundamental attribution error and it's when we make an assumption about a person's behavior. For example, the social worker doesn't get her work done and I attribute that it's because she's lazy. If we go into this conflict assuming this, we've set ourselves up for failure. I have no idea why the social worker isn't getting her work done and assuming she's lazy prevents us from getting to the win-win. Assume the best of people or at least their intentions or make no assumptions at all and be very open-minded and positive. People wanna do a good job and we want to help them be successful. 
When you're facilitating conflict, really focus on helping people overcome the fundamental attribution or false assumptions they make. Privately, you may need to help them work through the emotions that are creating these false assumptions and then start to help them see the actual facts or evidence. For example, do you really think they are leaving residents unclean when you start your shift to pay you back or because they don't care about the residents? Isn't it possible there are other reasons that explain why this is happening? Thank you, Alexis. These tips are so helpful for conflict resolution in the workplace. Thank you for having me, and I wish all of you the best success in pursuing the win-win. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. For more resources and tools, please visit our website at www.aadns-ltc.org.